The UDR cast is not affiliated and does not represent any 12-step fellowship. I, Bill Ward, the host of the UDR cast, will be sharing my experience and my journey of recovery. That does include, but is not limited to, the literature contained in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps. Our guests will be sharing their own path to recovery and what has worked for them. The UDR cast encourages and supports all paths to recovery. Welcome everybody to the UDR cast. UDR stands for Uncover, Discover and Recover. My name is Bill Ward and I'm coming to you from the recovery capital of Canada, Calgary, Alberta. Here we are going to discuss everything recovery, different perspectives, different experiences, both with the people I know and with others from around the world. If you resonate with anything you've heard on this episode today, we ask that you share it with anyone who you think may benefit from it. If you have any questions or comments, please find us at billward.life and send us a message in the info section. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. If you are interested in more recovery content, you can find the buttons for the YouTube channel and other social media outlets on the homepage, and you will be redirected to those platforms. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time. Yeah, I guess I'll start with resentment because it's before step six. I know when I first came into the program, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to be here. I was, I was beaten down. You know, as the book says, I was crushed by my own self-imposed crisis that I could no longer postpone or evade. And uh, my addiction, I couldn't duck the issue anymore. I had to face it. It was like now right in my face. My my life had been torn apart, right? I I lost my business, I lost my house, I lost my wife, I lost I lost everything. And I lost who I thought I was on the inside. And then kinda as I'm like sitting in this rubble of the wreckage of what my life was and it's smoldering around me, you know, I kinda stepped away from myself and I'm looking at myself going, Who the fuck are you now? Like, who are you now? You don't have your business to tie your identity to. You don't have your family to tie your identity to. You can't tie your identity to the things that you have because you don't have anything anymore. And like the reality of the situation, which I did not learn until I did the steps. And I didn't really learn this until two, three, four years into my, my recovery journey. Is I was my house. I was my truck. I was my business. My whole identity was based in the world of the material and what you thought I was. And so when I had lost everything, I didn't know who I was anymore. And, you know, I look at that as one of the greatest gifts I ever got in my life. Me losing everything I ever worked my ass off for. And I worked hard. Like my business made about three million bucks a year. And I worked my ass off for 15 years to build that business for one reason, because I thought it would make me happy. And there's a line in the step three that talks about, uh, is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? 
Yeah, I'm a victim of a delusion, of a lie. And when you look up the word victim, it means somebody who's been tricked or duped. And I was tricked. I was duped. Who tricked and duped me? The society I live in tricked and duped me. My mother in the school that I went to tricked and duped me. They told me if I had all of these things, if I had this status, if I had these shiny things, if I had this white picket fence, if I had this, you know, all this money, if I had all these things, I would be happy. But the problem was when I closed the door on my bedroom at night, I was still me. And I was, I needed validation from you in order for me to have any type of self-esteem. And if I didn't get validation, and, and the thing is, is, as I worked through my life, you know, I thought that a million dollars would make me happy. And a million dollars was a pretty good target. Fuck, I needed two million. When I made two million, I needed three million. When I got my first nice truck, it wasn't nice enough after six months. You know, the shine always wore off. Someone pulled up beside me in the newer version of the truck that I had. You know, there was never enough of what I thought I wanted because my pride and my ego that I didn't understand when I got here, it always needed some more relief, some type of relief because I spent my whole life trying to fill a hole, a God-sized hole inside of me that was empty with things outside of me because that's what I had learned. That's what I had been taught. So I, I look at my life today that creator stripped me down and took away all the things that I thought life was gonna be and why do I think that because he had a greater purpose for me of which I did not know and I did not give two shits about a god in my life most of my life but I'll tell you when I got burnt down and I had nothing left and I had to go into the rooms of you know the fellowship the 12-step fellowships I was humiliated I was humbled and I walked in there angry resentful shameful I hated you and I hated my wife and I hated my life and I hated myself. And when I got asked to share when I was brand new, all I did was spit venom. I spit anger and hatred. But the people in the rooms let me. They let me. And they would come up to me after the meeting and they say, welcome, you're in the right place. And I'm like, this place is fucked. These people are fucked. But there was something about it that brought me back there. I know today, I know what brought me back there. It was love. It was love. And, and inherently, the fundamental idea of God is love. And it's within every man, woman, and child. And when that energy is exuded from somebody or given from somebody and it hits somebody like me, I can feel it. And unbeknownst to me, my pride and my ego get defensive and say, these people are fucked, what do they want from me? Because I've been built in a whole bunch of patterns in my life that try to protect me, and we call that the ego. And the ego is what tries to protect me. The only problem is ego stands for edging God out. It edges love out. The ego lives in fear. The ego lives in judgment, discontentment. You know, what are they going to take from me? What am I not going to get? You know, it's always something. And then I'm going to read a line out of the We Agnostics chapter. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in the power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude towards that power and to do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change on the way of living and thinking. 
in the face of collapse and despair, in face of total failure of their human resources, they found that new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. I found that. I found that power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flow into me. I've had the revolutionary change in my outlook and my way of living and thinking. And TJ nailed it. Bill W. in the big book wrote, living and thinking. Living is action. The thinking changes through the action. This is a program of action. And then it says right here, this happened. When did it happen? Soon after, they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. Wholeheartedly. Like full concession that I'm fucking all in in this game of sobriety. And not just sobriety, because sobriety is settling for crumbs. I mean recovery. When I say recovery, I don't mean recovery from a substance. Yeah, that's what it started as. But I mean recovery from the spiritual malady, which is the restless, irritable discontent, which is the anger, which is the fear, which is the hatred, which is the judgment, which is the gossip, which is me trying to seek status and walk on you and self-seek my way to the top and not really giving a shit how I get there. But I learned all that. And a lot of it was built in my journey of life. And the journey of life broke me. And then I get sitting in that rubble. But then I come here and I read this. And once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence. I was confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence a number of times in my life. The first time I remember I was 13 or 14 years old. Wondering what's the point. And then I found drugs and alcohol. And I found the point. And the seeming futility of existence went away because I had a solution to my spiritual malady that I had when I was a teenager. And then when the alcohol quit working when I was, you know, it quit working about 18, but it took me four more years of fucking blackness and darkness and hell of being powerless and my life unmanageable before I could ever put the substance down. And then on a prayer, first time I prayed in a long time, I begged God to take the alcohol away from me and he did. And then my untreated alcoholism turned into workaholism. And it turned into more anger and more discontentment. But before I started that business, I was sitting there at 22 years old going, what's the fucking point again? What's the purpose? Why? Why? Because I was living in the seeming futility of existence again. And then 15 years later, when I burnt down my life again, I was there again. And then it says... Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making a heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, because the drink question is not the fucking question. He writes that there for a reason. Leaving aside the drink question, because it's not the question. I got to see the underlying reasons why I was making a heavy going of life. I got to see the causes and conditions of why I pick up a substance. It came revealed in the first step four I ever did. I got to see my life was run on resentments and a lot of those resentments were fancied. Some of them were real and they played a part and I also played a part. For the first time in my life, I looked at my part. I had never looked at my part in any resentment ever because I can quickly forgive myself. The only problem is I don't actually forgive myself. My brain just thinks I forgive myself, but deep down inside where it matters, I don't forgive myself. Because I'm dishonoring my own consciousness. I'm dishonoring the love and the God that's within inside of me. And then I looked at my fears. <coughs> I looked at the fears. I looked at the list of 50 fears that I had. 
And I looked at 40 of them were made up. 40 of them were built in anxiety. 40 of them were built in, in what you were going to take from me or what I wasn't going to get in life. Because I was that victim of a lie, of a delusion that I could wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only arranged it right. And if you would quit fucking with me, I could have everything I wanted in the way that I wanted it. And uh, so when I looked at that, those 40 fears that were made up in my mind, most of them, because they weren't even true, I realized that they drove 95% of all my decisions in my life. So I'm running my life on a constant basis of fear. And then I look in the step three in the big book and it says, we alcoholics are driven by a hundred forms of fear and self-delusion. And then I know today that I, I can easily be driven on a hundred forms of fear and self-delusion. And the self-delusion is thick. And when I take this literature as an alcoholic addict as word, I got to remember, I, I have a self-delusion. I have an ego that is out of control. Everybody in the world has an ego, but the alcoholic addict's ego is like the fucking turbocharger on an engine. And that's how we operate. And in that step six reading, it talked about the instincts that we reach for more than is possible or due to us because we're trying to fill that God-sized hole with the things outside of ourselves and we use the defects of character that actually cause our failure, that actually drive us to drink the drug, drink and drug. And then I looked at my sex conduct, my relationship conduct in that step four. And I always thought I was a pretty nice guy. I always thought I was generous and caring and self-sacrificing and modest and I loved the women that I was with. And then I came out of that step four, sex conduct, relationship conduct, and I realized I'd never had a relationship with anybody in my life except myself. Selfish self-centeredness is at the root of this alcoholic addict's problem. I must be rid of the selfishness I must or it kills us. And the only way I've ever found to get rid of it is God. And when I say God, I don't mean Jesus Christ. I don't mean Buddha. I mean something that I don't even know. But I will tell you that my God is based on love and forgiveness. And when I pray to love and forgiveness, love and forgiveness helps me out on a daily basis, sometimes moment by moment. And then today, let's fast forward to this reading again. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. I found that out in that four and I reviewed it with my sponsor and God in the five. They show how change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God today is the most important fact of their life, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. The most important fact of my life today is my relationship with my creator. I love it in the doctor's opinion. It said these men believe in themselves. I believe in myself today, but they believe more in the power that pulls these chronic alcoholics back from the gates of death. I believe much more in my power than I do in myself. And to be real honest with you, my self-esteem doesn't come from the things I have today. My self-esteem comes from self, from authentic self, from throwing away the damaged and unsaleable goods that don't serve me anymore that I used my whole life and I could finally get to the truth of who I am. So when I look back at my life and I see my life destroyed, it was the greatest gift that I ever had because I had to lose everything on the outside of me to find everything on the inside of me. Today, God is everything. God is I get the job, I don't get the job. God is I get the woman, I don't get the woman. 
God is the seemingly good in my life and the seemingly bad. Just like Chrissy said, everything's my fucking teacher today. Every, every situation in my life teaches me something about me. The world and its people are not dominating to me. If it's dominating, I'm dominating it because I'm living in a fear. I'm living in a resentment. I'm living in a judgment. I'm living in selfish self-centeredness. And I don't want to run my life today. I'm absolutely convinced that any life run by me and how I used to run it is absolutely not successful. The greatest success that I've had in my life didn't come from those material blessings that I told you I had. The greatest success today comes from how I can be of service to God and the people around me. Through the service that this program affords us and allows us to fucking find and do, and when we first start doing altruism, it's an act of altruism, which is not altruism. But we have to start somewhere. Just like that step six reading, we start on the beginning of this lifetime job of building character. We build character through this program. We learn through every situation. And I love in the last couple pages of We Agnostics, where it talks about what is this but a miracle of healing. Circumstances made him willing to believe. Through every circumstance in my life, if I'm willing to bring God in, I get the miracle of healing. I can heal millimeter by millimeter by millimeter. All those broken parts of me that I acquired through my life, I can start healing in this program through sponsorship, through service, through inventory, through prayer, through meditation, through all of it combined, not one thing or another. It's all together. Works like a ball of yarn. And if you're new or you're struggling or you need a new design for living, for life, that's what this program is. I was missing this. I never got the handout of the manual of how to live life. I missed that one. God passed me by. And I was there trying to figure it out. Resting satisfaction and happiness out of this world. Me trying to do it. And I didn't do it. And God gave me my own free will. And I fucking look at my life on my free will. And I fucking didn't do a good job. I hurt my wife. I hurt my kids. I hurt a lot of people. And so my gift back to my creator today is I live the life that he wants me to. To the best of my ability. And I'm not a saint. But I'll tell you one thing, I do have a desire to seek and do God's will. And I had to learn that through the fucking humiliation and pain of going through the circumstances and bringing my creator in. And I am a different person sitting here today than, than I was when I was pulling people out of their cars, beating the fuck out of them, road raging fucking 15 years ago. So if you're new or you're struggling and you want something better, man, it's right here for you. If you're still struggling with whatever it is, dig into this shit. The actual rooms of Alcox Anonymous or the other fellowships, a lot of their messages in the rooms are very watered down and they're not clear and concise and people are suffering because of it and dying. The solution for my life lies within the big book. It lies within the 12 steps. It lies within the relationship with creator. And it lies within rooms like this that are carrying the real message. It's not about how my fucking cat pissed on my bed today. It's not about how, how I got a flat tire on the fucking way to work. It's about how did I fucking navigate these challenges and bring God into my life and the minuscule and the big parts of these, these challenges. Because it's through the challenges is where I build the character. And today people fucking love me because of who I am, not because of what I have. So I really, really appreciate the step. Step six is the most important step in the program, in my opinion. It takes you to step seven, which is where you want to live. And I love that Alex had said, you know, I, I don't want to live here. I don't want to keep living here in step six. 
But the, the thing is that we have to go through that. We have to go through that. And I'll finish with this because I just can't shut up. Then in AA, we looked, we listened everywhere. We saw failure and misery. The failure and misery transformed by humility. The low levels of humility, humiliation and pain. Step six humility is what it's talking about. Transformed by humility into priceless assets. We heard story after story of how humility had brought strength out of weakness. In every case, pain had been the price of admission into the new life. And I'll tell you, the pain that I've suffered even in recovery has been the price of admission into this new life. And it is a new life. I got to live two lives in this one lifetime. But this admission price had purchased more than we expected. It brought a measure of humility, which we soon discovered to be the healer of pain. That's the third level of humility. That's the desire to seek and do God's will. That's where you heal the pain, man. We begin to fear pain less and desire humility more than ever. The most profound result of all was our change in our attitude towards God. Because God becomes our attitude. Love is the attitude. And through the love is the attitude, everything fucking changes. Thank you for tuning in to the UDR cast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. The viewpoints and the opinions expressed today were solely of the individual sharing them. If you resonated with this episode, please follow us and share this link with anyone that may benefit from it. Please visit us at billward.life to see everything that we have going on. We can recover. One person, one family, one community at a time.